Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for checking into the best Houston sports podcast and back for his weekly visit, our NFL and fantasy expert, Andy Rio, who's covered fantasy for nearly 20 years now. And Andy, hope you had a wonderful Christmas because, hey, the Texans gave us a reason to believe in Santa this year with their second win this season. Well, yeah, they did. But on the other hand, uh, they may be gifting the top pick to somebody else. So I'm not really sure uh, this win was all that great in the big picture. Yeah, let's get there in a second. But the big story this week also just uh, yesterday is the retirement of J.J. Watt. He announces that he's going to call it a career after this year. What was your reaction when you heard J.J. Watt retired? Well, I was a little bit surprised uh, when I heard the news. Uh, his contract was due to be expiring this offseason with Arizona. He went there, obviously, uh, because they had a better shot at contending than the Texans. But right now, the Cardinals have fallen on hard times, and they're not in a position to contend. So I thought there was a possibility he would go to a team uh, that would be in prime position to win a championship next year. But uh, obviously, he has elected to retire uh, an all-time great, uh, an all-time great guy. I mean, everybody will always remember what he did uh, in the aftermath of Hurricane Harvey here. So, uh, you know, I, I mean, it, he also just had a son, though, and, and you know, clearly he's decided that that's a, a big priority in his life. So, uh, you know, you have to admire the man. He's, he's going out. Uh, he may not be quite at his peak as he was with the Texans, but he's still going out uh, on top when you think about it. Where do you put him among, among the all-time great defensive players like Reggie White, Lawrence Taylor, Ronnie Lott, Dick Butkus, Ed Reed, and on and on? Is he in your top 10, top 5? Have you decided yet? What do you think? I'd really have to give that some thought. Uh, but certainly, uh, he's definitely an all-time great. Uh, he's certainly the all-time greatest player in the history of the Texans. Uh, probably the only person that would rival him in Houston for the all-time greatest Houston pro football player would be Earl Campbell. Yeah, absolutely. And got a little something on Earl a little bit later in the show. But, uh, you know, Andy, during our post-game show, I said the Texans could afford one more win with these last two games, even if the Bears lost out to keep the number one overall draft pick. But I muffed the punt because I forgot about the Texans' tie against the Colts in week one. That means, like you were talking about off the top, they need to lose both of these last two games. Now, if they don't, the concern is not the Bears picking a quarterback because they might be happy with Justin Fields. The concern, Andy, is the Bears convincing the Texans another team is going to trade up and maybe extorting a good draft pick to move up that one little spot, right? Because, you know, you've got the Browns pick and you don't want to blow that one on a win here late in the season. Well, and, and I would be concerned that they're going to get one more win because they play the Colts the last week of the season. Uh, you know, they tied Indianapolis earlier this year, and that's when the Colts were in a stronger position. Jonathan Taylor was healthy back then. Um, yeah, I mean, Chicago is kind of an interesting case. A lot of teams that pick high in the draft are looking for a quarterback. They're not. And they have a they really need to build their roster around Justin Fields. So it would make total sense for Chicago to trade down and get a whole bunch of picks and entice a quarterback needy team uh to trade up. And obviously there are plenty of those. It could be a major haul for the Bears. So uh yeah, I I 
I personally think, I mean, we're going to talk obviously more about the Jaguars game here. And I personally think that Jacksonville will probably beat the Texans, but the Texans have given Jacksonville fits of late. And again, that last game against the Colts is definitely worrisome because, you know, I got to give Lovey Smith credit for this. Not sure, you know, he deserves another shot at it next year, but they're playing hard for him late in the season. And the Colts appear to be phoning it in at this point. Let me ask you, because if the Bears just have to go down one pick, if they're going from one to two, I mean, how much do you really have to give up if you're the Texans for them to drop from one to two? I mean, somebody, you know, might give them a couple of picks that are mid to late in the second or third round, I guess, uh, to move up to that number one spot. But, I mean, if you're the Texans, you know, isn't it more valuable the picks that you would be able to give up so you wouldn't have to give up as much as somebody else just to, for them to move down like literally one spot? Well, the thing is, though, I mean, if somebody falls in love with one of the quarterbacks, which is certainly possible, it seems to happen most every year, uh, this past year being an anomaly because there wasn't a quarterback picked until later in the first round with Kenny Pickett and the Steelers, and he was the only one. Uh, but, I mean, if some team just absolutely goes gaga over one of the quarterbacks, they could easily outbid the Texans. I mean, when you're talking about draft compensation for future years, some team could throw it all away. Yeah, I mean, it just depends on what that other team would offer because, again, they're giving up mid-round picks most likely, while the Texans, if they give up some of their own picks, it could be high-round picks. So that's the difference. So you go – Okay, do we want a high round pick that's maybe one of those picks as opposed to two or three mid round picks that are later? That's just something I'm thinking about, but hopefully it doesn't get to that. Uh, before you do the full preview of the Texans Jags game, I, I want to focus on Trevor Lawrence, Andy. What are you seeing from him right now? Is he looking more like what everyone thought he'd be prior to the draft? Absolutely. I mean, it, it speaks volumes to the awful job that Urban Meyer did last year that Trevor Lawrence looked lost this year under a good coach with Doug Peterson. Uh, yeah, he is showing a lot of signs. In fact, in many ways, you know, he kind of reminds me his second season right now of Josh Allen's second season in Buffalo, because the first year in 2018, there was really no supporting cast at all. For Josh Allen. The next year they go out and get John Brown and Cole Beasley, guys who are not number one receivers, but capable receivers. And he starts to grow. Then in the third season, they trade for Stefan Diggs. And obviously, you know, that has further propelled Josh Allen into superstardom. Uh, this year, uh, Jacksonville spent a lot of money to get Christian Kirk. Many people thought that was an overpay. They also brought in Zay Jones. And both of those guys have come in and given Trevor Lawrence stable targets. They're supposed to get Calvin Ridley back next year. They made the trade for him. He's on suspension this year. Uh, and certainly, although I would put Calvin Ridley at his peak as a little bit notch below Stephon Diggs, uh, he has the capacity to be a number one receiver. They've also gotten good production out of Evan Ingram at tight end. Uh, so, there's a lot of optimism in Jacksonville. I mean, they certainly uh, could win the division this year and be a little ahead of schedule. But I think if you go into next year, they're probably the overwhelming favorite to win the division. All right. So let's talk about the matchup because the Texans, least we forget, have a nine game winning streak over Jacksonville. How are you seeing this game overall? Well, the interesting thing is, uh, 
for both Jacksonville and Tennessee, and we'll touch upon the Titans a little bit later, is uh, the results of their games this week are meaningless. It all comes down to week 18. So, you know, it's early in the week still as we're recording this. It's possible maybe the Jaguars could decide to take their foot off the gas this week and save it all for next week. Uh, I'm not sure you'd do that with a younger team, but uh, it kind of remains to be seen. But I think at this point, the way the Jaguars have been playing, uh, both offensively and defensively, I mean, last week, obviously, they were playing Zach Wilson of the Jets. Of course, they had a good defensive effort. And even though they were torched by the Cowboys before that, they still came up with a game-winning pick six in overtime. So, I think if Jacksonville is at full strength, uh, they're going to come out and win this game and end the streak. So you think the streak is over? Any good plays for fantasy? Fan- I mean, obviously, if you've got Trevor Lawrence, I'm sure you're going to play him this week. Um, who, who do you think else could be a big breakout guy for the Jags? Well, certainly Travis Etienne is one to watch, given uh, Houston's uh, inept run defense. Uh, certainly, it's probably a week you could use Christian Kirk and Zay Jones and uh, Evan Ingram, definitely, especially given the, the scarcity at tight end. On the Texans' side of the equation, uh, Brandon Cooks came back this past week and I guess has technically taken up the mantle of the safest Texans player to start, uh, if you absolutely have to choose one. Uh, as I mentioned, Jacksonville's defense has been coming on a little bit, but uh, they're not really one of the NFL's stronger units, so I think he's safer to play. Uh, especially if Jacksonville's at full strength, the Texans could find themselves chasing points. I mean, in the backfield, Royce Freeman obviously led the team in carries by a significant margin, but he didn't do much with them. I guess if you're absolutely desperate for a volume play, you could try him. Uh, I think we all chuckled a bit when Rex Burkhead uh, fell on the ball in the end zone for a touchdown. Just Rex Burkhead is still around, I think, basically, was the moral of that story. But I certainly wouldn't trust him during the fantasy Super Bowl week. Yeah, don't count out that Texan run defense. They held Derrick Henry to under 200 yards last week. They are a juggernaut now, Andy. They're a juggernaut. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's actually progress against Derrick Henry. But, of course, uh, the Titans just unable to throw the ball at all. So e- even the Texans could do a little bit more damage against Henry than normal. All right, man, before we get to the matchup and the big stories around the NFL, I just want to remind everybody to subscribe and comment on YouTube. It's the best way to support the show and look for our live Texans postgame show after the Texans-Jags game Sunday at 3 p.m. It'll be our first show in the year 2023. So that's pretty cool. Look for all the live shows under the live tab on our YouTube page, or you can always listen on your favorite podcast app. All right, Andy, it wasn't a surprise the Broncos fired Nathaniel Hackett Tuesday. But this is kind of a historic firing, wasn't it? Yes. Uh, since the NFL and AFL merged in 1970, only five coaches have failed to finish their first season as head coach. Now, there certainly have been coaches that have been fired after the season. But, uh, yeah, he joins a pretty unique and not-so-great class, aside from one guy, maybe, I guess, if you want to look at the big picture. Because Hackett was obviously fired this year. Urban Meyer last year, and, and obviously Urban Meyer, we, we have to give him credit for his college coaching, but uh, you know, a lousy NFL coach. Uh, Bobby Petrino with Atlanta in 2007. Pete McCauley uh, in 
1978 with the San Francisco 49ers. It was a very lean time for San Francisco back then, but fortunately the next year after that they hired Bill Walsh. And in 1976, the legend Lou Holtz uh, walked out on the Jets before the season was over and determined he wanted to go back to college football. I'm considering Lou a legend. I, I guess in some ways you could consider Urban Meyer a legend, but I think given who Urban Meyer is, a lot of people probably don't really want to consider him as a legend. But yes, uh, Nathaniel Hackett was in pretty unique company and the Broncos are just an absolute embarrassment right now. It's People thought they were going to go to the playoffs this year, and instead you have the Nickelodeon game on Christmas Day. You have Patrick Starr taking shots at Russ. Uh, definitely not the way it was intended to go this year in the Mile High City. Two of the coaches on that list, because I used to work in Arkansas, I kind of know what's going on with Arkansas football. Two of them were at the Razorbacks at one point, Lou Holtz and Bobby Petrino. And you know, the Broncos, Andy, think Russell Wilson is fixable. Is he fixable? Well, I mean, that remains to be seen. Certainly something is way off with him. Uh, I suppose if you find the right coach, though, maybe he can kind of manage him a little bit uh, to getting back on track somewhat. Uh, I just still, in many ways, it's just hard to believe how far he has fallen so quickly. Uh, I think it's just going to be absolutely critical that they nail the head coach search and they get somebody in there that can truly help him out. I mean, I think Sean Payton's a bit of a long shot to go there, but if you got somebody like Sean Payton, um, he could probably find a way to salvage you. All right, let's hit the big matchups, the marquee one, Bills and the Bengals, Monday Night Football. Do the Bengals look like the class of the AFC to you? I would have them just a little bit below Kansas City and Buffalo, but here's the thing. They have managed to beat Kansas City uh, several times of late, and they're capable of beating Buffalo. So maybe on the surface they're a tad below them, but it wouldn't be surprising to see them rise up. Uh, this game is absolutely critical for Buffalo. They've got to win it uh, to maintain a shot at the number one overall seed in the AFC, and if I was doing the math right, if they lose this game, they could potentially fall maybe as far as third uh, in the conference, which obviously you want the one seed for the bye, but if you can't get that, you want the two seed for two home playoff games. And obviously it puts you in prime position if the number one seed gets upset to have home field for that. So it's going to be a fascinating game. I'm really looking forward to this game. And a lot of fantasy football championships are going to be determined by this game. If you look at the firepower out there for both teams. But one guy who needs to deliver this week, who did not deliver last week at all, was a big disappointment, Stephon Diggs on the Buffalo side of the equation. Uh, obviously, Josh Allen must start. Uh, you know, Diggs is still a must start. Hopefully you survived his off game to get to the Super Bowl. Uh, I would say at this point, uh, you know, even though they've been platooning, Devin Singletary, James Cook, both flex options, uh, Gabriel Davis, we know he's boomer bust, but anybody could boom in this game. Dawson Knox, the tight end, also maybe worth a look for Buffalo, Cincinnati. Usual suspects, Burrow, Mixon, Chase, Higgins. Uh, not a bad spot to even roll the dice with Tyler Boyd. I mean, I think there's enough points here to go around that you kind of want to get guys in. Uh, your lineup for both of these teams, uh, you know, if if you envision it's going to be a high-scoring game, and there's certainly a strong possibility of that. The Cowboys are at the sinking Titans. 
two of my least favorite teams, by the way. What, what's the major storyline here? Well, obviously, as we touched on a little bit with Jacksonville, uh, will Tennessee uh, go at full strength for this game? I mean, Derrick Henry obviously is one to watch because uh, his status is not 100% at this point that he's going to go. So that, And once you talk Derrick Henry, you've basically talked the entire Titans roster from a fantasy perspective because Malik Willis has just looked terrible and uh, there's not really anybody else on the Titans I would really roll the dice with at this point. Dallas certainly could come out a little bit flat after their emotional win over Philadelphia, but the victory keeps Dallas alive to win the NFC East, albeit pretty slim hopes. I think they'll be extinguished once Philadelphia beats New Orleans this week, and I think the Eagles will do that regardless of whether it's Hurts or Minshew at quarterback. Uh, Tony Pollard has missed practice uh, this week as the time at the time we record this, and if Tony Pollard can't go, uh, obviously that'll put more on uh, Ezekiel Elliott's plate. Uh, I think the rest of the Cowboys look pretty good in this matchup. Dak, C.D. Lamb, they were really clicking against the Eagles. Uh, Dalton Schultz worth a look at tight end. I'm not sure I'd really look at the likes of Michael Gallup or Noah Brown. This is, you know, title week, and obviously uh, their secondary targets, albeit capable secondary targets, but most teams are probably going to have other options. Lucky, lucky Vikings team and feisty Vikings team, get they get a last-second 61-yard field goal, of course. This past weekend, they play the Packers, who are hanging on for dear life, Old school classic rivalry, Andy, at Lambeau Field. This should be fun. Yeah, it should be. Uh, Green Bay obviously hoping to perform way better than they did on opening day against the Vikings when it really wasn't even competitive. Uh, Big news on the Green Bay side, uh, Christian Watson, their outstanding uh, rookie receiver who's been a touchdown machine of late. Uh, His status could be in question for this game. So if that's the case, Romeo Dobbs would probably take over a good portion of the receiving targets in Green Bay with some help from Alan Lazard and Randall Cobb. Uh, You know, certainly uh, Aaron Jones will be involved. A.J. Dillon's been playing a little bit later, better of late. And uh, Aaron Rodgers, uh, you know, the Vikings, despite their gaudy record, do not have a great defense. So Aaron Rodgers might be a look, worth a look if you're needing, uh, you know, quarterback this week. On the Minnesota side of the equation, certainly it sets up nicely for Dalvin Cook, given that Green Bay's run defense has struggled at times this year. Uh, Justin Jefferson, obviously you've got to play him on championship week. TJ Hawkinson was phenomenal this past week with two touchdowns. Uh, obviously he probably won't duplicate that this week, but you've got to roll with him. He's one of the top tight ends in fantasy right now. And certainly Kirk Cousins is startable. Uh, if needed. The Dolphins are at the Patriots. Tua just imploded in the second half last weekend, which kind of crushed Miami's hopes. I assume the loser, Andy, can just pack their bags for the offseason, right? Well, yeah. I mean, New England uh, is in far worse position than Miami at this point. Uh, But, you know, the Dolphins obviously having to go up to Foxborough and potentially looking at Teddy Bridgewater starting that game Uh, You know, Teddy's one of the better backup quarterbacks in the league. And, you know, if you have Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill, you can keep them in your lineups with Teddy. But uh, that's going to be a tough test up there. I I just it seems like New England is imploding more so than Miami, even though, you know, as as you mentioned, Tua had a really rough half against Green Bay. So uh, 
tough situation for both teams right now. And uh, I, I think Miami may still be able to pull this game out. They've given New England more fits than some teams have in, in recent times, but uh, it, it's going to be a tough game. It's maybe a pretty low-scoring game on both sides of the equation. Uh, I think Ramondre Stevenson remains the only Patriot to start. And with Teddy in there, I'm not sure Jeff Wilson Jr. and Raheem Mostert are as good as flex plays as they normally would be. All right, next game, we got the Panthers at the Buccaneers in the fight for the worst division in the NFL. What's important as you look at this one? Well, it's all going to be about uh, Carolina keeping their running game going. Chuba Hubbard and Deontay Foreman both ran well last week against the Detroit defense that had been defending the run a lot better. But the Panthers were just able to pound them on the ground. I mean, they're still trying to generally hide Sam Darnold, although uh, he did find D.J. Moore for a touchdown. D.J. Moore, uh, for several seasons now, has been that ultimate guy that if he was in a better setting, he'd be a fantasy football superstar. He's been held back in Carolina by their you know, constant troubles at quarterback. But uh, Darnold has been playing pretty well of late. Uh, you know, Tampa Bay used to have a really strong run defense. It hasn't been as good this year. Uh, James Conner was able to uh, do well against them last week, uh, even though, of course, Arizona was down to their third string quarterback. They still were able to get the ground game going against the Bucs. If Tampa can do a pretty good job of stopping that, I think they'll win the game. I, I think they know what's at stake. Uh, I think that, you know, it probably will be a somewhat decent day for most of the Tampa skill position players, uh, but none of them have been really lighting it up, especially Mike Evans. He's definitely been a disappointment this season. If you're going to go with a Bucks receiver, Chris Godwin is definitely the safer bet. And I think you can use both Leonard Fournette and Rashad White in the backfield as flex plays. Man, it's only week 16. It's not week 17, but there's a lot of loser-leave-town type matchups. You know, the loser probably goes home for – uh, their trip to impact their backs to Cancun, basically. Uh, another one you have in the Seahawks and the Jets. Mike White back at Jets quarterback. What are you seeing with this one? Well, that immediately restores competency to the Jets offense. I mean, uh, you know, maybe there's a miracle turnaround for him, but at this point, I think uh, Zach Wilson is pretty much right up there with Jamarcus Russell and Ryan Leaf as the worst quarterback bus. And when we talk about earlier, when we talked about the Texans potentially falling out of that pick, remember in 2020 when the winless Jets stunned the Rams and eventually that led to the Jets getting the number two pick. That number one pick, of course, was Trevor Lawrence. The number two pick was Zach Wilson. Now, the Jets could have picked somebody like Justin Fields and, you know, then it, it's fine. But, uh, you know, they, they did what the Jets normally do, although this is generally a respectable Jets team outside of the quarterback position when Zach Wilson is in there. Now that Mike White's back, uh, it opens up the offense again for the Jets. It makes Garrett Wilson playable, maybe even Elijah Moore. Their ground game has not been doing much of late. So, um, But Seattle, I mean, they've definitely fallen off of defense of late. So maybe Bam Knight and uh, maybe Michael Carter, if you're in a bind, uh, could get the job done. On the Seattle side of the equation, they just seem to be sagging. It's like maybe they peaked a little bit too early. And, and the Jets certainly have a tough defense. That wouldn't stop me from playing DK Metcalf. But uh, it would give me a little bit of pause with Geno Smith this week. Although 
the revenge game terminology is often overused. I guess this could technically be considered a revenge game for Geno since the Jets drafted and eventually gave up on him. Uh, Kenneth Walker Jr. Uh, should get enough volume to be a good play uh, for the Seahawks uh, and fantasy owners. Yeah, if the Texans want Zach Wilson, they can probably go pick him up in the offseason for nothing at all because that's what he's going to be. Pretty uh, much, doing. yeah. Yeah, uh, the Steelers at the Ravens. Steelers out of it. Ravens mm, jostling for seeding in the AFC. What are the storylines? Well, technically, Pittsburgh is not eliminated at this point. They need a lot of help. But, uh, you know, they flex this game into Sunday night because usually these are very competitive games and uh, the big rivalry between the Steelers and the Ravens and everything like that. I mean, Pittsburgh uh, was very sluggish for the most part against Las Vegas the other night, but they rallied obviously late uh, to that duo they hope is going to be a force for years to come, Pickett to Pickens. And their defense has played very well of late, obviously, they picked off Derek Carr three times. Uh, you know, we mentioned J.J. Watt earlier. Obviously, T.J. Watt, when he's in the lineup, uh, the Steelers win considerably more than they lose. So I, I think it's going to be a tough game for them at Baltimore. Uh, we'll have to see about Lamar Jackson's status because right now, again, he looks kind of iffy. And if he's out of the lineup, uh, really hard to trust the Ravens, aside from maybe J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards on the ground. Uh, Mark Andrews has really had a down year. Uh, certainly you want to keep using him just because tight end is so weak, but uh, he hasn't clicked with Tyler Huntley like he did last year. Tyler Huntley hasn't produced really any fantasy numbers like he did last year when he was filling in for Lamar. Uh, certainly Najee Harris has been doing well for the Steelers. Uh, you know, Put him in your lineup, even though it's a tough matchup because volume is king and he should get plenty of it. Um, the rest of the Steelers, you could certainly look at Pat Fryer move at tight end. Uh, George Pickens always an upside play, but uh, his floor is pretty low. And, of course, Deontay Johnson, infamous for not having scored a touchdown this entire year, despite getting a decent target level. So uh, certainly stuff to be ironed out in Pittsburgh, but it's a retooling year for them, and they're still decent. So it speaks highly, again, of the job Mike Tomlin does there. Yeah, it feels like it's just more likely for Davis Mills to have two 300-yard games than the Steelers to actually figure out a way to get in this playoffs. But uh, I do want to talk to you a little bit about the Steelers because, you know, last week we talked about the 50th anniversary of the Immaculate Reception. And the day before the anniversary, the man who made the catch, Franco Harris, passed away. It was just a couple of days before the Steelers were going to honor him by retiring his number, just the third Steeler to be retired in their history. And I don't know about you, Andy, but as much as I did not like the Steelers because of their rivalry with the Oilers back in the day and the Franco Harris era Steelers, you just couldn't hate Franco Harris. You couldn't. Oh, no. He he was regarded as, uh, you know, a very classy player, a very classy man. Uh, he was absolutely an icon in Pittsburgh and, and really Pennsylvania because he also played his college ball at Penn State. And, you know, he had some business ventures away from football that were pretty notable. He teamed up with uh, his former Penn State teammate, uh, Lydell Mitchell, who, of course, uh, had a pretty good NFL career in his own right, uh, largely with Baltimore. Uh, those two were involved in some business ventures, too. So just, you know, one of those guys, as you could say, is kind of a renaissance man. I mean, he was just absolutely, uh, you know, beloved off the field, uh, did a lot of good off the field, did so much good on the field. Um, 
you know, I've watched a lot of uh, NFL highlight films in my day. And uh, one thing that was pointed out, uh, you know, the 1979 Steelers after they won their four, fourth Super Bowl, you know, uh, you know, John Facenda made the statement at the time that, you know, before Franco Harris, the Pittsburgh Steelers never made the playoffs. And with him, they never missed. Now, they would go on uh, to miss the next two seasons, but then they went back the two seasons after that. So, um, you know, Franco played for the Steelers, uh, you know, throughout the, most of the 70s and into the early 80s. So he would have spent 12 seasons there, I believe, and they only missed the playoffs twice. So that tells you a lot about how valuable he was to them. Absolutely. And, you know, last week you mentioned the statue of Franco commemorating the Immaculate Reception at the airport. Well, this, that statue turned into a makeshift memorial shrine, Andy, this past weekend with folks leaving flowers, terrible towels, and notes in his memory. That was pretty cool, I thought. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, just an absolutely uh, you know, great guy. And, and it's nice that there's been uh, such an outpouring of support because I think you know, if, if you're an NFL fan, you just, you know, absolutely adore Franco Harris. Yeah, I know everybody's been busy with the holidays, so it feels like the Franco Harris could have, his passing could have got lost a little bit. But just a reminder, you know, it's been a long time since he played four Super Bowl titles, Super Bowl MVP, nine consecutive Pro Bowls, Rookie of the Year, NFL Man of the Year. When he retired, only Jim Brown and Walter Payton had more rushing yards in NFL history. He retired less than 200 yards away from Jim Brown's rushing total. That's how good Franco Harris is. He's currently 12th all-time in rushing yards, 10th in rushing touchdowns. And you mentioned it earlier, Andy, with his Penn State teammate, Lydell Mitchell. He started a bakery 32 years ago that supplies nutritional food for public school children in the eastern United States to this day. Mitchell and Harris also partnered to rescue a company in 1996 that had been the first African-American business to go public. Andy, I never think of his best NFL highlights as electrifying, but his impact, like you said, on that community, on a bunch of different communities, sure was. Yeah, and, and I mean, he is responsible uh, for the most historic play in NFL history, uh, in the Immaculate Reception, which, of course, we touched upon a lot last week. So, yeah, I, I mean, he's uh, he's unforgettable, absolutely unforgettable. If anybody missed this, by the way, and, and I did, President Biden posted an incredible story that I hadn't heard. He said that it was 50 years ago when he lost his wife and infant son in a car accident when they were out shopping for a Christmas tree. And, of course, everybody's heard a little bit about that story over the last few years he said he rarely left his boy's bedside. You know, he rarely did after that. They were badly hurt in the accident. You know, it was just a terrible accident. But one day after that, he goes shopping for them. It was one of the first times that he had left their side. When he gets back, they were smiling for the first time since the accident. They were smiling because Steelers owner Art Rooney flew out, Franco Harris, and Steelers running back Rocky Blyer. They had stopped in to sign autographs and talk to Joe Biden's kids. They left with no publicity. This wasn't the Instagram days. This wasn't Twitter. They just did a good deed during the holidays, Andy. That story, you know, it's just, there's so many of those about him. It's just amazing. 
Yeah, yeah, de- definitely. Rocky Blyer was a class act, too. And, and, and one of the last lines of his NFL Hall of Fame speech, Earl Campbell said, quote, he was so proud to be in the Hall of Fame with the Jim Browns and the Franco Harrises. Earl only mentioned about four NFL players in his speech. I went through the entire speech, and Franco was one of those four players. So there's a little Houston connection for you before we end on Franco Harris. And by the way, if you have any last-second fantasy questions this week, hit up Andy on Twitter, at Andy Rio. Andy, the next time I see you, it'll be 2023. So I want to thank you again for all this great fantasy, fantasy advice in the last year in 2022. And I hope you have a wonderful new year, man. All right. Yeah, you too. Sounds good. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Hey, you can support the show by subscribing on YouTube and commenting on the videos. Listen to Houston Sports Talk on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, and Google. Don't forget to tell a friend and share our show on social media. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.